Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit. It has many parts. And all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free. And we are all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part of but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. If all were one and the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that are presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor, so that there won't be division in the body. And so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. I am a very low-tech preacher. Amen. <laughs> it is by the grace of God that I'm able to brush my teeth in the morning. I just wanted to say it is such an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, Sister Joya and I have a special bond. Uh, she was the very first person that I met when I went to Candler. And it was before I even had made the final decision. I was on a visitation day and I ran into Joya. So it's partly your fault I'm here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, she was a sign from God that maybe walking into your call might be a good thing to do. So thank you, Joy. It's a pleasure. And your whole family, um, I just really feel like we've been praying together um, in God's grace for a long time. And I, I treasure your friendship. So we're talking about being one. That is, that is a theme and I just want to apologize. First of all, thank you, Brother Bennett. Um, you might look in your bulletin and see that there was other scripture that was there. And I am a disobedient, non-communicative soul. <laughs> and, and as I was looking at the scripture and the passage and I was reading and thinking about the theme of being one, which is so important, the Lord just kept saying, these are good scriptures, but, but I've got better. I've got better if we're going to talk about being one. And it's still in 1 Corinthians. And so I just went back a few chapters. That was 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, in case you want to go and read it. In fact, your homework when you go home, maybe all of 1 Corinthians 12 as it talks about our spiritual gifts. Because you see, we have got to figure out how to be one. And that's how do we become 
one. I guess if that's going to be the title, that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get started, would you pray with me? Most gracious, loving, wonderful, hope and joy-filled God, we come to you this morning, Lord, as many different pieces of your body. Some of us, Lord, are running. Some of us are limping. Some of us are crawling. Some of us, Lord God, are singing to the rafters. And some of us are moaning in the corners. We come to you, Lord God, with many different gifts and graces, some of which we don't even comprehend. And in the midst of all of this, Lord God, you love us. And in the midst of all of this, Lord God, you want us to become one. And so we ask, God, that you would open our minds that we may conceive, open our ears that we may hear, and open our hearts, Lord God, that we may truly receive a word from you that we will know when we leave this place that your Holy Spirit has touched our hearts and made us just a little closer to being the disciple of Christ that you would have us to be. We thank you and we praise you and we go forth expectantly to hear a word from you. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us, melt us, mold us, fill us, you Amen. So we go to this text in 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. Now many of you may know, but some of you may not, and we're just going to assume that you don't. The church in Corinth was having a few problems. You see, Paul had founded this church and he had gone and planted these seeds and he had established the gospel message and taught them the word of God and they went off like gangbusters running. Everything was great, one would think. But then they started arguing. You see, they understood this whole thing about spiritual gifts, like God has given me a gift, I'm special, right? And then all of a sudden, they kind of became too special for their britches, right? Too big for their britches, because then they started arguing about which gift was more important, 
right? Which gift was higher? And, and of course, those that talked in tongues, they thought that theirs was just like supreme because, of course, it's the most visible, right? I mean, you know, when you have somebody in a worship service that all of a sudden goes off talking in tongues, everybody turns. Nowadays, sometimes for different reasons. <laughs> but Paul was trying to talk to them about the fact that they needed to become one body, one in Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful concept. We've all heard it before, right? We've heard that we should become one, that the body of Christ is one. But it seems right now that the body of Christ is actually perhaps more fractured than it has ever been before. We have people professing to be followers of Christ that out of one side of their mouth comes the name of Jesus and out of the other side of the mouth comes hate. We have other people that are professing to be followers of Jesus Christ who don't want to be part of anybody's body. They are spiritual people and not religious people. Which is a good thing on one end. But if we're all one body, should we not come together sometime? Should we not fellowship with one another and help hold each other accountable and be a community? Should we not be able to get along well enough that we can come together and at least share a casserole every now and then? <laughs> a lot of times in my younger years, I was one of those that was kind of like, I don't really have a lot for established religion. I'm, I'm not really into that thing because there's just, you know, too many don'ts and not enough do's or too many do's and not enough don'ts. And so I was very much in tune with God, have been all my life. And considering the fact that I was running from my call, it was all too easy for me to not be in church as often as I should be. I didn't want to be reminded of what God was calling me to do. Because every time I stepped in the doors, I heard that whisper in my ears. Whisper in my ears. I think a lot of times, maybe nowadays, people don't always come to church as often as they should or God would want them to because they don't want to hear the whisper in their ears of what God is asking them to do. We all know we're supposed to love one another. I believe last year you all ventured into um, 1 Corinthians 13 talking about love. And that is what Brother Paul ends up landing on as a spiritual gift. That love is the most important spiritual gift. In the very beginning of chapter 14, he says, pursue love. To pursue love. As if one is hunting it down. And when you're on a pursuit and you're hunting it down, it's all that you see. Like if you're trying to get somewhere, you're not looking at all the things that are around you. You are pursuing that one thing. And until you get it, you're not satisfied. So we're supposed to pursue love. So the answer to that question in terms of how are we to become one, the answer is love. I must say... I always try to look at a church and find out a little bit about it. I saw it written in your bulletin. I looked on your website and it said, no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you have done, you're loved and welcome here. Decatur First, that is a lot to live up to. 
Because you see, we talk about those parts of the body. How do you get the nose to be in love with the stinky toes? <laughs> right? How do you get the creaky knees to be in love with the aching back? How do you get the curly hair, right, to be in love with this face that it wants to cover over? How do you get all the different parts of the body to feel welcomed and loved, especially when sometimes they seem so different? I want to put before you that the only way to do that is to actually have difficult conversations. Conversations that you would not normally have. For you see right now, I think part of the problem is that we are just avoiding having those conversations. Oftentimes they say don't talk about religion or politics or race. But the only way that we can come to be one is to actually understand the other. And we can't understand the other unless we actually talk to them and get to know them. Right? There is, many of you have heard of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the ones that I try to live my life by is seek first to understand, then to be understood. So often we go through life and we want to tell people what we think. We want to tell people what we think. And I must say, the internet is not helping this affliction that we have, right? Because now we can anonymously tell people what we think. And we hit send and then we go onto another page and we read it, figure out what we think, and we write down what we think and we hit send and we move on and then we go back to the other one to see what people thought about what we think and then we go and we let them know what we think about what they thought about what we think. All in the midst of all of that churning and stirring, people sit at home and their hearts often get wounded or bitter or aflamed. When in actuality, it would be just so much better if there's somebody that, that, that you need to interact with, but they seem a little bit of the other. That person that you just, you don't know, a coworker perhaps, have lunch. Have a cup of coffee and go to them and, and say, you know what, I just want to get to know you a little better. I feel like we work together, but I don't know you. Now, it's not always easy. I was blessed enough when I went to college to have a very good friend by the name of Patricia Prigoff from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And Patricia said to me one day as we were talking, she said, Marita, I just want to let you know that if I ever say anything that you think is unkind or disrespectful, please know that it's my ignorance and not my heart. And let me know and let's talk about it because I don't want to offend you. Do you know the bravery that it took for an 18-year-old young lady, the wisdom and the bravery it took for her to say that to me. It changed my life. It changed our friendship. 
She went on to tell me that she, she had gone to a high school in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And in this high school, she was the only Jew. And there was one little boy. His name was Bobby. I don't know his last name, but I will never forget his first name. And she said he was the only black person in her school. And she was wise enough to know that on days that she wanted to come to school and not be Jewish, she could just come and be Trisha. But that he didn't have a choice. He always had to be different. But she could choose to blend in. It blew my mind that this 18-year-old girl, I was like, where on earth did you get this wisdom? I think at the time when I was 18 and I thought I knew everything, I don't know that it astounded me as much as it truly astounds me now. But it helped shape the life that I was going to live, the people that I was going to interact with. It helped me become one with her, one with the community that I was in, one with other people. It helps me to find common ground because I use Patricia's words on a regular basis. If I ever say anything that disrespects or offends you, please know that it's my own ignorance. Let me know and let's talk about it. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. I think that if we each practice that a little bit more every day, if we quit avoiding the difficult conversations, then maybe we will become one because we'll get to know one another. If we allow people to just agree to disagree, but we still have to have the conversation, too often we just don't talk for fear of offending another person. But if our heart doesn't want to offend, we can have those difficult conversations and then we can truly become one. Because otherwise we have to start making decisions about which parts of the body we want to cut off. I mean, which parts are you willing to give up? Thankfully in today's time, we don't have to really make that decision, but it wasn't always like that. I had the pleasure, yet discomfort, of watching a movie on Netflix the other day called Mudbound. I didn't know what it was about, but Mary J. Blige had an acting part, and I was intrigued. I mean, I just didn't think of her as an actress. But in this movie, she has a son who goes off to World War II, and then when he comes back, the town, some members of the town think that he's gotten too big for his britches. And ultimately, he ends up getting beaten, taken into a barn, and they give him a choice of three body parts that they're going to remove, and he gets to pick which one. I'm not going to go into the gory details, but that's a decision in a way that sometimes we have to make as it relates to the people that we interact with on a regular basis. Who are we going to cut off because we don't want to have the conversations or we don't want to extend them grace? Who are we going to de de decide is, is, is unworthy or unimportant or not a part of our body? And although those in power or those that are in the body may not feel the pain of being cut off, I promise you that those that are cut off do feel the pain. 
And so let us always seek the space, the space of God and the spiritual gift of love, that even in the midst of our differences, we can have the crucial and difficult conversations and seek first to understand before we need to be understood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and the people of God said, Amen.